so I think it's really intriguing. I mean, you think about the way that you can disrupt someone through, through misdirection. We go to magicians to see magic shows, and most of them are quite believable. It's a little bit different in the virtual realm because you can't read whether somebody's faking or not. And I think that's really intriguing because as a developer, it really gives you the method to play back with the attacker, right? Play with them. Toy with them. Welcome to OWASP 24-7, sponsored by the Open Web Application Security Project, improving the security of software. With support from the Nexus Community Project, supporting millions of open source developers worldwide. Additional support provided by CatScan from Proactive Risk. I'm talking to Lawrence Pingree with Gartner. And Lawrence, we were at lunch yesterday, and there was a discussion going on on deception. Give us some back. That yeah, was cool. so deception, deception, of course, is a is a concept that I think all of us use. You know, little white lies here and there. We tell people like uh, when they ask if we're we're fat or not. But the good thing is, is that this concept of deception can be used to to deceive the attacker just as much and also even deceive their automation. Now you were going deeper than honeypots. So yeah. You, gotta, you yeah. put something in front. Describe yeah. what you were talking about. So, so I just, uh, you know, just this last year I published an emerging technology note. My job at Gartner is to, is to do research for the vendor community. What I articulated was the use of deception across different products, not just, you know, not just the traditional honeypot type concept, but the use of deceptive activities to deceive malware, deceive the elements of attack across the, the, the attack kill chain. I call it the deception kill chain. Mm -hmm. What that means is, for example, in developers, developers themselves could deceive within their code. So if they start to detect strange behavior, for example, some malware won't run if it detects an antivirus engine. So you could spawn a process that looks like an AV engine. You know, or strange things like that. The little deceptions here and there that can prevent the execution of an attack or mislead the attacker. I'm writing research right now on some of the, the providers that are playing in the space of deception. Their main use case is the evolution of the, the honeypot to a more manageable edition of the honeypot, right? Where you can do decoys and then inject lures on an endpoint. And some examples are trap bags. Reverse and, fishing, if you're using that analogy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think there's use cases where, for example, if just imagine if every every time you got spearfished, instead of um, instead of actually just throwing it out, which uh, an attacker knows has been successful, because they don't you know get anything from the botnet, right? They don't see any CNC communications, so they know their their stuff didn't work. Imagine if you were to start luring them and infecting a machine that's a, in, a, in a sandbox environment. Mm -hmm. And then they think they're successful, right? And you give them a deceptive environment in which um, is basically a hall of mirrors, right? It looks like different operating systems and they start attacking things. They're delayed and for as, as long as you want to maintain the deceptions. One of the interesting things I've seen <clears throat> on a very simplistic level is there's a WordPress plugin that if somebody is spamming you, 
you can actually point the spammer that he is the only one that can see his own spamming. And so he can go from now through history and not know that nobody's seen it. Exactly. And some providers are, are moving that direction. The, the, the providers that are in this, this, this sort of what I call the um, distributed deception system or distributed, well, distributed deception platforms are uh, like TrapEx and GuardiCore and, and Ativo Networks and, and those folks and Elusive Networks. Majority of their focus is really just, you know, putting deceptions on your endpoints. So imagine um, your laptop, you have drive maps to, you know, your internal resources. You might have cookies that are in your browser for going to your intranet or your, your Oracle app or whatever. They place these deception data elements on the endpoint, on the real endpoint, to misdirect a, uh, an attacker to an internal honeypot, or into well, I call them decoys, mm -hmm. to this in internal decoy. So, for example, a drive map will point to an internal decoy instead of you know a real resource. And as soon as that attacker hits that, they know that that machine has been infected, or a insider threat. The the the, the security personnel sure. right. they're alerted to the activity from the host to that mm -hmm. uh, network drive map, or it could be shortcuts to, to things like Telnet or SSH session or, you know, uh, URL to a, to a website or a cookie that's stored in your cookies, uh, you know, temp folder or anything, you know, any, all of the above, any data element. And you point the attacker to these things and they don't know. They have to kind of trust the environment. So um, the, the funny thing is, is that then why I like the, the concept of deception is the attacker has to trust the remote bot that, that it's what it's telling the, the attacker. You, you can li the lie can be, if as long as the lie is believable, they have to trust what's being told. Didn't so, Cliff Stoll do that <clears throat> 30 years ago? Yeah, I mean, they're, they're, like for, <laughs> you know, I mean, the DOD did this, um, you know, during the, the World Wars, um, where they had blow-up armies, you know, that, that, and they had loudspeakers where they misdirected of the course, Germans, right? And, you know, this same concept is, is employed across DOD all over the place. Um, they use deceptive elements to, to look for That's insider threats. Now, I'm not saying that they're greatest at it, but yeah, okay. you know, the, it, it is an important uh, element to a security program. Now, you and I are here at RSA C uh, 2016, and it seems to me that what we're seeing on the floor is the same vendors <laughs> for the same years with the same products, basically, that are trying to protect after the fact. Sure. My interest is more is what can we do before the fact at the mm. developer level. What are you seeing along that line? I mean, one challenge we have is developers, of course, still have just a functional spec, right? They're told to go build something. But I think we need to educate them that, that look, you, you need to think about how the attacker would think, right? And so if, in, the, in the realm of deception, I mean, they could do things that if, if there are strange behaviors being seen in an input variable or one of their apps, they could start to, you know, change the responses back, right? They could um, maybe if if they started to detect a, an SQL injection or you know parameter tampering or something like that, they could start throwing the the attacker off. It might be fun for them to to you know toy with the attacker a little bit, you know. But I see it. I see that the techniques they're they're available across all products: endpoint right. protection, right. you know, network firewalls, IPS products, um, web firewalls. I mean, you can use deceptions across um, the whole variety of product. And help delay the attacker. One point I'd like to make is, if you, if I'm an attacker and I'm attacking you, as soon as you shut me down, I know you did it. Because I get a reset connection, sure. I get blocked, 
You, you know, I know it, so I know you detected me. If you don't do that, and you mislead me instead, or misdirect me, it's like a magician. You know, I How have to believe it. How prevalent is that technique now? Uh, it's, I mean, you know, th there's, a lot of, there's a lot of banks using it. There's a lot of, um, uh, mostly in the distributed sensor and distributed deception space. Uh, you know, for example, Imperva just announced a, a new capability to inject the deceptions on the endpoint so they can detect if a, if a developer's been compromised. Mm -hmm. You know, like, because the developers have administrative privilege on, on databases, so they, their database firewall, they can, they can do, you know, detect a deception lure being hit and then block the develop, or block the uh, um, database admin from getting into this, the, the system. Mm -hmm. So those kind of things, they can trigger other responses. For your interest level, how long is how, how much legs does this have for you? Well, I mean, here's the thing. I'm, well, I'm going to do more research on this this year. What I'm typically telling tech providers is that they just have to think a little differently. With these new class of products that I talked about, I think it's an ecosystem play. So you have other technologies that can integrate and leverage these deceptions. So imagine for a second that, let's say, an insider threat is you know doing a, a, a sin scan of the internal network. They're trying to elicit resources. Imagine if you place deceptions in during the process of that uh, scan, and in a dynamic way, you start assigning IPs or or, or ports in front of them. Yes. yes. So you're you're preemptively mm -hmm. you know deceiving them. Mm -hmm. That and, and I call that active deception. You can pull their attack away from the target. By enticing them along the way, right, and and that's the that's the idea. You can gain a lot of telemetry about their tools. So, for example, if they're using a special rat trojan or what have you, you immediately know, and then you have behavioral signatures that if, if you if you're able to grab their binary or maybe let's say deploy a decoy that uses a real system or a sandbox, you can take the binary and analyze it, and then immediately defend the rest of the environment against it. Oh, I see. So, you know, it gives you, you know, very actionable immediate intelligence if, if you are able to nab them. How many vendors are we looking at specifically that are going to tackle this? There's around eight or ten right now. Okay. Um, so GuardiCore is one of yeah, those? Yeah, GuardiCore is one of those, and what they're doing is they're, they're a little bit more focused on the data center and, de and doing active deceptions in the data center more specifically for cloud and SDN environments, but they can deploy on the variety of, of environments because they have an agent technology. So what their agent technology does is it allows you to map communications and they can do little deceptive um, socket servers on, on real endpoints. Mm -hmm. And so if you, if you imagine this um, deployed in your cloud, you can gain visibility and you can see when somebody tries to do you know, lateral movement. Those scans or those port sweeps or, or anybody that's tampering with a, with a specific port can be redirected to a, a decoy environment. And, um, and then they would you know, be misdirected into that environment versus the real asset. And that's more of an active deception uh, type process. So who else is doing cool stuff? Um, you know, they, they, all of them right now are working on you know, slightly ver slight variations. You know, some are using real endpoint operating systems, and others are doing emulations. And some of them are doing a mix. And most of them are focused on trying to put place lures in the endpoint and then decoys within the environment. So imagine if you have, you know, a network segment with a hundred machines on it. They might place fifty fake machines throughout that infrastructure, mm -hmm. and they look like they're named like your own assets. IT knows that it's a fake asset, 
but the the attacker from the attacker's perspective it looks like any other your, mm -hmm. of your hosts it seems <clears throat> to me and you probably mentioned it earlier is that for banks this is going to be essential it's great it's i mean be yeah because they're very concerned i mean most of my clients are are, are are very highly concerned about the mapping of their internal networks they believe many of them believe that the, their internal networks have already been mapped and to a large degree having these deceptive elements for raising detection in that environment is a critical function for them. How hard is the embed? How hard is it to get these things set up? It's, it's actually not. Um, it's, you know, they, they can do VLAN integration. Um, they, a lot of them can do you know, Ethernet bonding and, and things like that where they can do you know, even high bandwidth. Um, they can be deployed across your whole environment in you know, a matter of a week or so. Are you building the quadrant? Uh, we're not doing a quadrant. It's not ready for that yet. Um, it's not that big of a market yet. But um, it sounds you know, like a logical extension. To it is. I think so. When I, I was a security practitioner for 20 years, um, I always wanted to deploy honeypots. But the the challenge was they weren't manageable. They weren't well integrated into the environment, and they weren't commercially supported. Now we have all of those things, and and virtualization, which is leveraged in in most of these cases. All of these things are enablers, right? And so there's, there's, there's sort of been this confluence of influencers that allowed that infrastructure to exist and made the, the honeypot concept scalable and, and, and much more commercially viable. So I think that's what's really changed in the last uh, couple of years. You're on the way to China. You expect to see the same thing? What's going on? Well, I mean, you know, here's the funny thing. is APTs are, are a global problem, right? Um, the Chinese point at the U.S., the U.S. points at China, the Russians point at everyone else. <laughs> they hack everyone else. <laughs> Not all cases, but, you know, every, every, every country points at, at the others, right? Because from their perspective, the APT is elsewhere. And so the Chinese, uh, my Chinese clients have the same concerns as the U.S. does. I, I do expect, uh, you know, the deception providers to, to be global in nature. One of the things that's interesting about deception is you, is you can't, of course, hack back in, in most countries. Yeah, yeah. But it's sort of a way to kind of hack back, right? It's, a, it's an offensive way to tamper with the, the, the intellect of the attacker mm -hmm. um, or their automation. So I think it's really intriguing. I mean, they, you think about the way that you can disrupt someone through, through misdirection. We go to magicians to see magic shows, and most of them are quite believable. It's a little bit different in the virtual realm because you can't read whether somebody's faking or not. And I think that's really intriguing because as a developer, it really gives you the method to play back with the attacker, right? Play with them, toy with them. So I find it um, entertaining in that respect. It's very intellectual. From the developer's angle, there is the capability to, to hack back in a, in a way, but you use lies and misdirection and feints. So I think it's really up to us to, to brainstorm in the ways that that can help uh, defend us. I think if just planting that seed in the mind of the developer is probably the most important thing. Is that developer or is it operations that's running something like that? Who's doing it? Who's operating the consoles or socks and, and uh, you know, the security engineers and yeah. large companies. But my goal for speaking with you is really, I think, especially for the security developers out there, yeah. is to think about ways to integrate this concept into their product. If they're building a security product, if they're building an application, they can do these defensive techniques, hopefully increase the odds that we'll, we'll be able to deflect an attack or misdirect an attack. Imagine that 
let's say someone is starting to tamper with your application and you notice they do an SQL injection, well, give them some dummy data. They thought they got into the database, but really they just got some junk data. Now, the extension of that, too, as you think it through, is when that data starts showing up in other locations. Absolutely. And that's some of these, some of these providers will do um, what they, they're calling them honey tokens or, or tokens or honey credentials. or There's a variety of terms. A credential, for example, that's being you know, misused or, let's say, a credit card bin. So you give them a credit card bin and all of a sudden you, know, you have a, an arrangement with the credit card network and they see it start showing up. Well, they know that you've been compromised, right? So you can do these sort of toying techniques even with the data. Some providers actually have documents. They can track where the documents are open. So imagine that you even have a binary, like an executable, that's uh, maybe it's an HR application or maybe it's some enticing named executable. If you get the attacker to execute it, what if it beacons back? What if you, just for a moment, Imagine that you have them click through a click-through agreement that exposes all of their data and, and eliminates their privacy, <laughs> you know, and they approve it. Well, guess what? Most people just click through those mm -hmm. things, right? So will an attacker. So you, you can immediately nab them, right, through enticement. So, I mean, I think that, that mm. those are important things <laughs> to think about. You know, it's, it's a fun game. Now we're yeah. talking gaming. Right, right. right. Well, and, and we kind of need to go that direction, yeah. right? Yeah. I mean, it's getting so bad that... Um, we need to have a better answer. You have been listening to OWASP 24-7 with your host Mark Miller and music provided by the George Cole Quintet. With support from the Nexus Community Project, supporting millions of open source developers worldwide. Additional support provided by CatScan from Proactive Risk. <laughs>